Hey guys, it's Keith. And this is Jesse. This is a new player has joined. A podcast about the video games people love and why they love them. And today we are digging a ditch. Are we? A little bit. Are we digging a ditch? Okay, today we're buying gardening equipment mm-hmm. and we're not using it appropriately. We're, we're mm-hmm. really mishandling mm-hmm. it. We went to Home Depot and we stood in aisle four looking at a bunch of shovels. Have you? And some dude walked up to us and he was like, you got a yard project? And you were like, I'm going to decapitate some mice. I think I've killed a snake with a... With a shovel? And I think I've just blocked it out of my brain. Interesting. Not because I wanted to. I think it's one of those things of just like, it's near me, holy shit. Yeah. And I had a shovel in my hand. Yeah. I I, I get you. Um, I'm not a terrible monster, so I've never... No, I don't think it. you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just trying to... I'm wondering <laughs> if that's in my brain, if that was me or somebody else. Has that ever happened to you? Is that how traumatized I am? Uh, no, no, I have that too, where I'm like... I've accepted my brain at a point now where it's like, I have a memory and I go, and I have no idea if that's how it happened. <laughs> Somebody's like, tell me what happened. I'm like, here's everything that happened. Also, that could all that, be wrong. It could just, somebody could just give me a videotape and Complete I'd be like, totally wrong. I'd be like, wrong. I wasn't even there. Great. <laughs> Great. My brain's stupid. Anyway, we're talking about shovel night today. Let's jump in. This is New Players Joined. Talking, talking uh, about things going on. Oh, and Ollie is immediately leaving my side to go lie down next to you. He knows what's up. He saw me get on the couch, and he was like, none of that horseshit. <laughs> my meal ticket's right here. How is the world? I will answer for Terrible. you. On fire. Terrible. <laughs> Constantly on fire. Terrible. I'm sitting here finishing the, the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance. Uh, I just finished it. Yeah. Somebody tweeted us if we finished it or not, but I don't know what they were, what we talked about. What, we <laughs> what said. their hope was in, in that. Well, I don't, yeah, we're, we're watching the end of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked Jess when we came to this point of being like, um, what's the point? Yeah. Why did they make this stock? Like, other. What, what was the, the angle that they wanted us to have? It was, I didn't get it. I didn't get why necessarily. Like, obviously, they have titles and stuff, but, mm-hmm. like, the whole doc was this was the greatest sports team of all time, sure. and if not, one of the most important things to ever happen to pop culture yes. ever. Like, it's bigger than... It's American history. It's bigger than life, and I I don't know how to describe... It just kind of was like... It was, it was like you went to a friend, a person's house who's wealthy, and they showed you how wealthy they are. You walked around the house, and you left, and you were like... Thanks. What was that all? What you know? What it reminds. What was me that of? about? <laughs> it reminds me of the Kevin Hart documentary series that they made. Oh, where he's just like, I'm the greatest, and I'm also where, it's hard to be me, but also I'm the greatest. Where it was just like they clearly made it so that they could be like, uh, listen, we got some things that we want to explain about Kevin. <laughs> oh, was this like he made the anti-gay he jokes made, yeah, and, and like he, he did like a bunch from of shit. hosting the Oscars or something, and then he was like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, isn't yeah, it's. It's weird. There's a lot. A it's, lot of... it's, it's when there's a huge elephant in mm-hmm, the room, exactly. and we never talk about the elephant in the room, so it just has a weird vibe right. to it. So we're the, watch. They they address, uh, quote-unquote, like the gambling, the yeah, theories. Kind his, of. His they father's like touch, murder. They touch on it. They're, you can tell they're like, all right, this docuseries will have no legitimacy if we don't talk about it, so let's dedicate half an episode to saying it was stupid that we all thought this. And I was kind of like, nah. Because they're not... If the whole point of it is we need to make Michael Jordan seem amazing, mm-hmm. we can't make him seem that shitty. Yeah. We can make him seem human. Uh-huh. With like that is the, he has problems like everybody else. Yeah. But his problems include a hundred thousand dollars on the ninth hole. Yeah. Or whatever the fuck <laughs> it is. Um so it's just a weird like we watch other docs, a lot of docs and great docs mm-hmm. are like, hey, because, oh, I know, I, th- I think I get what this doc is, because I'll, I'll get back to it. But, like, great docs are, here's what the theory is, screw that, that doesn't matter anymore, yeah, here's, here's what's, what's, going, here's what's going actually going on. Like, right. that's what every doc is. There's a twist, and that's yeah. what gets you into twist. This doc was, let's relive the 90s. Yes. So, you and I didn't watch it on ESPN, people were watching it live, and it was kind of like, ooh, let's relive Michael Jordan in the 90s. Mm-hmm. The so, heyday. So, it wasn't more of a documentary, like... If anybody's ever seen 30 for 30, 30 for 30 is like my favorite sports series documentary. Yeah. And it goes 
deep, mm-hmm. like bad. Just like everyone, like here's all the drugs, here's all the money, here's who got paid off, like mm-hmm. here's all, and I'm like, oh, okay. This is interesting. This so, is telling the real so story. So when you get to like Dennis Robbins kind of out there, and I'm like, say why. Yeah. Don't just say he doesn't show up to practice, he doesn't do this, like, Say why. There's, there's and like here's the thing about this doc for me because I think it's a very very well made documentary. It's very well made. I think it's entertaining. It's, cr- it's, it's crazy it's cool. that it looks as good as it does yeah. and all this footage and shit. It's insane. But yeah, I I do feel like they set out to be like this is a love letter to the Chicago Bulls and 100%. not to ask any questions, which is fine. That's a that's a legitimate form of docu series. Um, but the funniest part of this whole documentary to me is like. I don't want to say who was in Dennis Rodman's room. Cut to Carmen Electra. I was hiding <laughs> under the bed. It's like, yeah, of course. Of fucking course. Well, it's just kind of like, I think what what got me was they're like, how marketable Michael is. Yeah. And I'm like, he's really not. He's not. Like, he's not a marketable human. Take away basketball. Yeah. Just take away basketball. He's, he's not, not a, a marketable a, he's person. He's not. He has sunglasses all the time and has a cigar. He's smoking yeah. a cigar. He and drinks whiskey and smokes, smokes cigars, cigars the entire all time. All the fucking time and gambles constantly. Yeah. And people are like, he's marketable. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's so funny. The, uh, the, whole, the whole thing is so and, funny. And what just made me laugh was the security guard part. Oh, yeah. That just... And again, I'm not... It's... It's weird. It is weird. It's weird. He has a security guard who was like his main security guard, kind of like a father figure mm-hmm. in his life who was there, had Michael's back. And they're like, he's the greatest man. I played this game for him. I gave him the game ball. And it's all these sorts of things. Um, but very, after, very but, but you stuff. can't show me six episodes of him being like, I made up reasons to win the game. Yeah. Like, it's it's hard. <laughs> I spread rumors it's, about it's people. It's <laughs> hard to be like, yeah, that's definitely what you're, th- like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could be thinking about anything. But it cracked me up because, like, he got cancer. And I'm like, I'm going to go win the game. He got him. lung cancer. He got right? lung cancer. And I'm like, you sat around, hung around Michael Jordan every single day, 24 hours, and that dude smoked cigars and non-stop. cigarettes nonstop. Nonstop. So, did he, is he the reason you got cancer? <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's like, it looks yeah. bad. It's a bad look. <laughs> it's a, your friend, a of... your friend got stabbed, and you're the one with the knife collection yeah. or whatever. <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff in this documentary that's like, this is a bad look. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go on live television, do an interview where I tell the world, I don't have any gambling problems, but I won't take my sunglasses <laughs> off. That's a bad look, man. It's also, Scotty had the vibe of just like, man, you want to say fuck Mike, don't you? Yeah. Like you have, like you have, yes. like that. You can feel that in him. You can feel like he's so quiet that I'm just like, no, because they'll be like, Scotty showed up and he wanted to be the best player ever, and fuck Mike, and fuck this, and fuck that. And I'm like, you were getting paid how much? Like you can, feel, and you weren't like fuck Mike at all. You can feel Dennis Rodman want to say you wouldn't have won any of these without me. <laughs> you yeah, can feel that he, shit. He's 100 yeah. right. It's just like this feeling of he's like, oh, I'm doing another Mike documentary yeah, exactly. like, like oh it's the bulls but really it's about mike ain't it he's like none of y'all want to talk to me about north korea <laughs> i didn't know who steve kerr was until he was on the golden state warriors and I, and I watched the i bulls, watched those games and i watched those games when he I was hit little. that shot and i, and I like had no idea who he was so we're watching that we're both playing red dead and i'm just doing all the treasure maps in red yeah dead that's what's fun yeah. I'd honestly like just exploring the map and doing things and seeing the environment. I'm like, oh, this is fun instead of just going down the quest, 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 the quest, quest, quest. I quest. can't, uh, I, I, I can't get into the actual quests uh, on the second playthrough. Like, what do you mean? Like, you just don't care? I'm just, I'm just not emotionally invested because, like, I can't pretend to give a shit about this gang of people who now, when I look at them on second playthrough, I go, half of you are fucking despicable, and the other half of you are in this abusive relationship, unwilling to admit it to yourself. I'm playing it because um, one of the, my favorite movies I've seen recently was Hateful Eight. Yeah. And uh, Hateful Eight is a movie that I went back and watched, and you see all the lines. Oh, yeah, the little and things. And so that, to me, was what I pay attention to, knowing who's going to turn yeah. on me. And there's little lines that go throughout the game that I'm like, oh, damn. Like, Javier is a character in the game that turns on you. He joins Dutch. Yeah. And he's like a good dude. Yeah. Like he's Jenny helps you. He's like, let's go, let's go find Marston and John let's and like go goes all, stuff. all this stuff. Let's go fishing. Mm-hmm. And then he even says, he's like, he's like, you are the most loyal to Dutch out of anyone here. And he's like, what else do I got? Yeah. And so there's this moment when Javier turns on you where you're like, what? Yeah. How and it's like, and he's like, happen? this is it. This is all I have. Dutch is all I have. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, like, 
What a horrible moment. And Micah setting you up and getting Dutch's oh. ear. And Dutch just losing his mind. His girlfriend Molly being like, you haven't touched me yeah. in weeks. And he's like, can I get a damn second to myself? And just like all this shit that I'm like, whoa. Yeah, he's he's far gone. It's interesting to watch Micah just like, why are you in the woods? I got to tie up some loose ends. Which ones? Ain't no worry. Yeah. Yours. Hosea just going up to him being like, I don't want to be a murderer. You yeah. turned into a murderer. What are we all doing? All this sort of stuff. Can you tell me the plan is? And Dutch is like, I don't need second guessers in this camp. I'm like, this is some David Koresh shit. It is. It's some culty. He speaks great words and we all listen to him. And Arthur's always like, yeah, he's good at talking. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I will say the thing I noticed on the second playthrough that it always makes me laugh in video games. There are no fucking child voice actors. You know what I mean? There's zero. Yeah. Okay. So Jack bothers you. And it bothers the, me the, too. The, ki- the person who voices Jack, the like seven-year-old or maybe even five years old, is very clearly like 38. He's too articulate. Articulate. Yeah. Like, they should have just given him one word answers or responses or something little, like that. Yeah, it's little kid. Little kid talk so, is so hard to write because it's completely stream of consciousness and it's meaningless. Is there a philosophy for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, that's what it kind of is. And you're like, yeah. The, the social ramifications of our economic... Cur- no. But when the Pinkertons point their gun at him, you're like, motherfucker. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like this feeling of, like, you Jack is the baby. Don't mm-hmm. fuck with Jack. Yeah. And they they use him a few times in this game. They they replace fridging with jacking, which is where you take a child and kidnap him and put him in danger. They do the same thing in Red Dead Redemption that they do in The Last of Us, which is they mirrored the first game. Yeah. So they're doing the same sort of thing of just like, your character is going to die mm-hmm. and you can't redeem them. Yeah. John is going to die too and you can't redeem him. Like, it's just they are all stuck. Like, yes. the game constantly points out, Hosea gets pulled back in, Arthur gets pulled back in, Dutch gets they pulled back. Like, they drift in. That's what they say. They drift They drifted in. back. They're like, this is just, I guess, who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, John, uh, spoilers, if it been rest, Red Dead Redemption 2, you end up in a farm, like the end game of all, you get all this shit and all this stuff, and still, Red Dead Redemption one happens and yeah lo and behold but we're not talking about those games we're not talking about those games hey everybody welcome to new players join a podcast about the video games people love and why they love them and we are talking about one of my favorite indie darlings today yeah keith what game we talking about we're talking about weed whacker arms (laughs) (laughs) did i get it wrong you're you were close try again sheep Mm. No, nope, no, nope, no, no. Okay. Lawnmower. Sure. Duke. Nope, Lawnmower. Not, Duke. Not, not quite. Okay, what's after? What's after? Uh, landscaping what's after? Lord. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> talking about Shovel Knight. There it is. We're talking about the indie platformer throwback nostalgia yacht game. Lawnmower Man is a movie. You're not talking about it. We're not talking about Lawnmower Man. Yes. yes. <laughs> we talked about it in a previous episode. I've brought up Lawnmower Man once. Yeah. Because you remember what it is? Mm. Ugh, I can't I know, believe you I forgot. You I can't me. believe you forgot. I know you It's told a man me. with special needs, and they put him inside of a thing that makes him smart. Yeah. And it's just a soft core porn. <laughs> it's Weird Flowers for Algernon. That's all I know. But we're not talking about Weird Flowers for Algernon. We're talking about Shovel Knight. Cool. And I love this game. Yeah. If you've never played it, Shovel Knight is this throwback indie game where you play as a knight, although instead of a sword or any other traditional weapon, he has a sharpened shovel which, with which he beats all of his enemies. Right. And uh, the premise of the game is that long ago, a bunch of uh, heroes roamed the land, and the two best heroes were Shovel Knight and Shield Knight, this woman that maybe there's like, more than platonic, but they were very close. And they went to this tower to get this uh, this infamous amulet. They got it. Everything went to hell. Uh, this huge force field shows up around the tower. Shield Knight is gone. Shovel Knight just returns to a normal life, just completely broken because the person he spent all of his time with is now missing, presumed dead. And all of a sudden, this enchantress shows up from the tower and unites all of the other knights around the, the land into the Order of No Quarter, and they're taken over, and Shovel Knight's like, I'm going to get back into that castle. I'm going to beat the Enchantress. I'm going to put this fucking shit down. And that's where the game starts. And it's great. I would have pressed X halfway through that explanation. 
This is the other thing is that explanation is given to you the same way like a Mega Man game right. gives you that explanation with that old school like pixelated. It's also very loose, obviously. Yeah. Because if somebody was like, there's Shovel Knight and Shield, I'd be like, X. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the old, it's the original NES shit where it's just, it, it reminds me a ton of the, the Master Blaster intro right. where it's just like, here are the pictures. If you want the story to be more, fuck off. Right. <laughs> like, this is what this it is. This is a setup, do it, and you'll yeah. figure it out as you play. This is fun. This is a good. This game is the biggest nostalgia trip that isn't a nostalgia trip. Mm-hmm. You have elements of Zelda, Zelda games, yeah. Mario games, mm-hmm. Mega Man games. Mm-hmm. Like, there is so much going on with this. The open world looks like Super Mario Brothers 3. Where you're moving your character from like little spot to little spot, and the music is which which would you describe? I would it? say the music is uh, it's mostly Mega Man. Okay, mostly there's a lot of like two chord vamps. There's a lot of like upbeat. Uh, I don't. It feels very Mega Man two, Mega Man three, it, and it's fantastic. The the village design is all uh, the uh, the Adventures of Link, the second Zelda game. Right. Like there's so much that's so clearly. A few people went, okay, well, we want to make a game in the style of these older games, and we don't want it to be like a mystery, what we loved. We really want to make it clear. And then we're just going to infuse it with some of our style of humor, our style of uh, of like Nintendo hard. So it's an, an incredibly fun game. And the deeper you get into it, the more you start to appreciate kind of the the framework that's been created by these older games and like not just in this game but in any platform or any side scroller it's like oh right we all come back to the same point mm-hmm. the same like four or five games that we all love and that we all develop from so huge fan of this game way into it did you ever play it played it for a little bit yeah there was this i it's hard for me to get into side scrollers yeah it's not that i didn't play them i played them when i was younger and has nothing because I've played Shovel Knight and I mm-hmm. like these games. I don't know what it is for me. I don't know what it is. Like they just I, don't hook you. I just like they do and they don't. Like mm-hmm. Celeste hooks me. Like I like it, but I don't. I enjoy them so much because the people that create them do such a fucking great job. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Like even Stardew, I played for a while, but I didn't even complete that. Yeah, and I like liked it a lot, but I'm like. There's something about old, like Super Nintendo stuff that, like, it just doesn't doesn't click. doesn't grab me as much anymore. And it's not because I'm like, oh, the graphics aren't as good. I just think I'm just like past it. There's a complexity that's lacking uh, in there. It's yeah, like maybe I've done this too many times, but I also do that like Call of Duty. Yeah. Like I got Call of Duty World War II or whatever for free, and I played it for literally ten seconds. Yeah, and turned it off, and I'm like. I've done this a billion times. That's what I had with The Division 2. So you're just like, I've done this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I think when I like play games that are side scrolls, I'm like, I've done this a that lot. Makes sense. So like when they do new games, I'm like, man, if you had a lot of money to make Shovel Knight, yeah. that's like where it hits me, where like there's this vibe of, fuck, you wanted to make something huge, huge and yeah. you can't. <laughs> it's like, does I, that make sense? Oh, I totally get it. And, and it's like, Shovel Knight is so cool and so dope, and I'm like, I can't sit down and play it for hours on end. It's hard. To me, because like the the game, the game, games that I played the most in my childhood were the original uh, Zelda, uh, Mega Man 2, and mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers 3. Mm-hmm. And this game pulls a lot from all of that. Right. And so for me, it was like, oh, this isn't so much just an indie game. I get to I get like an expansion pack. I get a DLC on Mega right. Man Two. I it's weird because it's like because it, it's more updated, right? Like because I can't go back and play NHL '94 for hours on yeah. end, but I could play a newer version of a hockey game. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like and it just might be me. Like some people, like you, obviously you're like, oh, there's like an extension of me. Like yeah, this is like what I grew up. Like doing. let's say a new first person shooter like let's say it's so like i get it it's so like cyberpunk's coming out and it's mm-hmm. gonna be like a fun first person shooter or some aspect i'm like ooh, this is an extension of me because i've been playing first person right. shooters for so long but indie games it's like i was bringing up before i'm like i know you wanted money yeah you wanted, <laughs> like you, you wanted, wanted to go all out to go all out and it's like here's 
it's like with you and I when we do comedy mm-hmm. of like we get a black box theater. You don't have money. You don't have. Tr- you don't. You and we're just, like, what could we have done with funding? Right. Yeah. Like, what can we do with what we have in front of us? And they make these phenomenal, amazing yeah. games with like five fucking people. <laughs> I. Uh, and I think this was two people. Really? I think this. Yeah, was that's a shit. That's what I'm just like. Four. It's so impressive. And I know, so like, fucking cool. Because we talk about uh, Stardew Valley was made entirely by one guy. Right. I think that Hollow Knight was made by two or four, and this game was made by two or four. I forget which one it was. Like all these amazing indie games yeah. get made by so few people. And the craziest thing about Shovel Knight is that it's now four games. Oh, is it? They DLC'd it or what they do? Well, not even DLC. It's just for free. If you bought Shovel Knight, you get the, each new game. And when I say it's new games, the world, like the map is the same, mm-hmm. but most of the stuff changes. You play as a different character and all the mechanics change and all the side stuff changes and all the story changes. So like one of the characters in the first, in the original Shovel Knight is Spectre Knight, mm-hmm. who's like, I have this like graveyard kingdom that I guard. And then the when you get to play as him, as Spectre Knight, they make you more like agile. The jump is more of a thing. He dashes across the screen. So his move set is entirely different. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you get this for free. And Spectre Knight's story is equally sad and impactful and, like, well-written and well-thought-out. Mm-hmm. And they give you... So now it's Shovel Knight, Spectre Knight, Plague Knight, and I think it's just, like, King Knight. Okay. And each one of them is a full new game. Right. That's an insane amount How of How many work. hours each game? Like, 20? I Yeah, like, I would say... You're, mm, yeah, like, 15? Yeah. Still great. Yeah, so like two people or whatever make that game. Yeah, and and you buy it for like ten bucks, and it ends up being a sixty-hour game that's super engaging and mm-hmm. has four different plot lines that all tie in because all four characters are in each game. But you're they it's it's if The Last of Us three came out and we were like we're only playing as as uh, Dina, right? Like, and we're just seeing her the entire time. It's mm-hmm. really that's fucking really engaging, cool. and it just impresses me every time I see people like this. It's a team of people who are just like. We just want to make the thing. Right. And again, same thing with Stardew. All the upgrades. Did you buy the game? You get it. With Hollow Knight, did you buy the game? Okay, here's all the shit with it. Right. All these indie developers just keep making these phenomenal games and being like, we're not going to gouge you for money. We're doing this because clearly we fucking love it. It's so interesting how like what takes off and what doesn't take off. And then from there, what do you do? Yeah. Like if there's only two of you Mm -hmm. and you go, so we got to milk this for every... Every cent, Every we, cent can get. That we can like not bringing on new people. Like how much of this can we do by ourselves until we need yeah. to bring more people on to make more money and like all of these sorts of things. Cause you just turn to like, I might, I made a game. People liked it. Holy shit. Now what? Yeah. Cause you might end up as Phil Fish. Where you're like, I'll make a better game and spend all my money. Or people whatever. are like, or nah, not Phil Fish. Not, what, what's Jonathan Blow. Jonathan Blow. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, no, it is crazy. And it's, it's funny cause you can see the like, okay, we're going to keep the map the same. So we don't need to redo that but we're going to fiddle with all the mechanics for all these characters and, right. and remake the design of all the levels so that it fits these characters right. and their skill set. And they also made it varying degrees of difficulty. Like Shovel Knight is notorious for having a very engaging difficulty level. Mm-hmm. It's a hard game. It's it's a slight throwback to Nintendo hard, but like it's doable. Right. It's just the right amount of challenge where when you beat it, you're like, I feel like I've accomplished something. The other game, Spectre Knight's a little bit easier because they want you to feel a little bit more like Superman. Plague Knight is way harder. They're like, moving around is difficult. Timing everything is difficult. And then the newest one with the King character is like kind of in between Spectre and Plague Knight. So mm-hmm. they're playing around with difficulty. They're playing around with creating... Uh, with like repurposing old things for new formats, and I don't know. Again, by, just by very the time impressive. you got to King Knight, were you kind of like whatever? I haven't even played it yet. There you go. Because I'm replaying Shovel Knight. I I beat Shovel Knight. I loved it. I beat Spectre Knight. I loved it. I tried to play Plague Knight, and I was like, this is infuriating. I don't care about these mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody's like, they made another one. I was like, holy shit! And apparently, the the most recent one is very very fun, and uh, it's a fun character. So I'm into all of them. It's just. It's just so much for some, for a game that's so small. Yeah. And and then the amount of hidden stuff in this game. Like, you saw me... There's there's a secret place in the game called the Hall of Champions that you pay to get into, and then it's like this haunted house. And there's all this secret room stuff, and you got to beat all of these, like, spirits and ghosts and whatnot. And when you do, it's like, oh, you've saved the Hall of Champions. Come back anytime. And then somebody's like, oh, there's a 
bigger secret in that hall, and they don't tell you anything. Random, very hard to find, hidden away spot where you can just get this little piece of paper that has the God of War symbol on it. Mm-hmm. And then oh if, yeah, and then if you go out into the open world, you can fight Kratos just randomly. And when you beat him, he takes your shovel and he turns it into the shovel of chaos. <laughs> so now it's this badass chaos blade weapon. So fun, so engaging. That's the PlayStation version, right? Xbox version. Yeah. You fight the battle toads. <laughs> Sorry, Xbox. It's <laughs> so funny. It's so fucking funny. But just little shit like that in this game. There's, there's all this small humor in it too. You beat Kratos, and then he's like, "I'm just gonna walk away now." And you can just bounce on his head as he leaves. And every time you do, he just stops and he just gives you this look like, "Don't kill, don't kill." <laughs> like he's so mad at you. Yeah. He just keeps walking and doesn't make eye contact. There, there is a toad character in one of the villages who's just like sad and upset. And he's like, "I wish somebody would cheer me up." And you always have the option of telling him a pun joke. Mm-hmm. And whenever you do, he looks at you crosses his arms closes his eyes and shakes his head no and then walks away (laughs) little bits of humor in this game and they go so fucking far and that's like the thing you think about this as a as a fun nostalgic uh, platformer but also it is about a knight with a shovel right from its outset it's designed to be like this is not going to take itself seriously no it's very silly his line is like sharpen thy blade that's why I would press X yeah this is the story X I'll figure it out it's silly it's silly it's so much to love in this game uh and speaking of games where there's so much to love keith yes i made a game for you you did not i made a game he, for he you. did and he's lying everybody because there's so much about shovel knight that's uh smart and funny but it starts with a very dumb premise and that is a knight has a shovel okay as a weapon it's yes. a dumb weapon it's a very dumb weapon so it's time for a game i like to call how much dumb is this weapon pretty dumb yep I'm going to give you some of the dumbest or worst weapons in video game history. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to give you a scale to judge them by. And you've got to decide where they fall on that scale. So 10 is the dumbest or is 1 the dumbest? 10 is the dumbest. 10 is the dumbest. 1 is, how is this even on the list? Well, yeah, 1 is like, this is a great weapon. It's a great weapon. And 10 is like, this, this shouldn't exist to got begin it. with. Got it. Number 1, the leaf shield for Mega Man 2. And if you're unfamiliar, you beat Woodman... And then you get this power where you have a bunch of leaves circling around you, and nothing can get through them. What? But you can only use it if you stand still. If you move, the leaf shield shoots off in that direction, and you're immediately vulnerable again. So on on a scale... I... How does this work? I I heard what you said. Yeah. Every word. Yeah. A leaf shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just that imagine can deflect whatever. Yeah. So really, it's the wind and not the leaves because they're going up and down. Yeah, you get it. So, By the way, this is, again, a product of beating Woodman, is that you get leaf shields. Yeah, this is like a... On a scale of one to ten vine stars. So it does stop things from hurting you. Yes. But the second you move, it goes away. This is a six. Six vine stars? This is a six... This is as dumb like, as six vine stars? This is six, because if I went up any higher, it'd be like, this is just pointless. Like, yeah. this just isn't, this isn't good at anything. <laughs> but the fact that you can it has be some hurt, value. it has some value. If you're not, if I went to a bank and was like, I'm here to rob the bank, and all I have to do is not move, mm-hmm. still a bad idea. You're, you're getting arrested. I'm going to eventually need to move. Yeah. <laughs> there are parts in the game where it's like, you got to stand on this platform where things attack you, and that's it. You use Leaf Shield for that, and that's it. Leaf Shield for protesters would be fantastic. It would be amazing. amazing. Number two, the Giant's Knife from Ocarina of Time on a scale of one to ten humans still on Facebook. So the thing about the Giant's Knife is it does massive damage, but it breaks immediately, right? Yeah, like nine. Nine, yeah. (laughs) Because I felt that. It's not just like you buy it for a lot of money, and then it broke immediately. Yeah. How mad were you? 
I was mad, but also more mad that people told me I had to get it to beat Ganon because I was like, all I needed was the fucking hammer yeah. the whole time. But I don't, it was that weapon immediately breaks. So it's a nine, but it does damage the first couple whacks. So yeah. it's not a 10 completely. All right, nine people still on Facebook, dumb. <laughs> Number three, the Bane from Borderlands 2. Do you remember this gun? The this is the Bane. one that, that makes you crawl at a snail's pace and screams every time you fire it. Wait, what? This gun screams every time you fire it and makes you really Do slow. I rem- yeah, wait, yeah. It's like a cursed gun. It doesn't do all that much damage either. That's like a six, too. You think that's a six? Well, because it still does dam- Some like, damage. The thing is... Does it do? Does it help you? If it helps you, yeah. Then I have to rate it higher than a five. Like, does it actually do with it? Does it kill things? Then it does its job. But does it annoy you? Yeah, it sucks, but it still does its job. That's fair. <laughs> We're rating this one on a scale of one to ten people washing graffiti off of a chase bank. Ah, uh, how dumb is it? This is like a. This is like a five. A five. Like people a five. washing graffiti. It's like a five. It's a neutral weapon. Yeah. All right. Let's go number four. Brass Knuckles from Doom. <laughs> this one gets me. This one is so... It's so 90s. I'm just like, why don't we punch the demons in the face? It's that thing where somebody's like, what do you do if a shark's swimming towards you? And they're like, I'd punch you in the face. You die. So like... Hmm. So in Doom, mm-hmm. this is like a seven. Yeah. In reality, it's like a three. Yeah. In reality, brass knuckles make sense. So in, but it is doom. But it's also doom in sense of, do I want to punch a demon in the fucking face with some brass knuckles? <laughs> so like, try, because it does its jobs. It you're, does. Way, it does its job. You're rating this on a scale of one to ten copies of the movie Doom. Oh. Uh, <laughs> how dumb is it? When you have the shotgun, the big fucking gun, the chainsaw, and somebody's like, have some brass knuckles. Have one brass but knuckle. What if the <laughs> what if it felt the most rewarding to you to punch a demon in the face? Maybe. How many times you gotta punch a demon in the face before it dies? I don't know. Because in the new Doom, it's kind of about combos yeah. and things like that. So you do punch people. This and is the like- original. Yeah, original Doom and brass. Not yeah, that's like that's like an eight. Those are yeah. eight Dooms. Those that's eight Doom that's movies. Eight that's dooms. pretty dumb. That's eight Dooms. Let's so go on number five. The Gunchucks from Bayonetta on a scale from one to ten. Guys who still like the Boondock Saints movie. Gunchucks were they bad or were they just stupid? They're just stupid. I think because I think she's super powerful. She is. So it's like a four, right? It's like maybe it's one of those things where it's like. That game is very intentionally over the top. Yes. And gunshucks, you. This is one of those things where uh, it's, we're we're hitting persona territory, where to, it's just it's out there, and if you judge it, people will be upset because maybe. it's so stupid that they're like, "Why even?" It's go like there? yakuza stuff. It's she's like a naked chick with glasses who kills demons with gunchucks. It's like at what po- like this? It's hard. This is a this is a weapon that one hundred percent the name was thought up. Before the press, oh, absolutely! Like, like the movie Top Gun, they were just like, "We'll make that," and then somebody said, "Gunchucks," and they're like, "Make that a weapon." I know it's exactly the most what that 14 is. Fourteen-year-old thing ever, but if they're really good and she's really good at them, then it's hard to be like that stupid. Yeah, you give me gunchucks, I'm hurting myself. You give Bayonetta gunchucks, she's saving the world. She's still hurting me. I don't know. How, <laughs> I don't know how it happened. Uh, I give this a four. Four people who still like the Boondocks. Uh, it's an for the name Gunchucks nine. Actually, yeah. who's using them, what they do, for? All right. Number six, the Shrink Ray from Duke Nukem. How dumb is this on a scale of one to ten Duke Nukem games? That's a one. You, you think the Shrink Ray you is, is You a immediately one? step on them and they're dead. Yeah. It's an amazing weapon. <laughs> it's. I think we're confusing stupid things mm-hmm. and things that work. Oh, I'm just asking about stupidity level. Stupidity level. Because stupidity level to me is like the... Leaf shield. Yeah. Just the word leaf shield. But then when you told me what it does, you're like, like it has a purpose. It has a purpose. And this, and this stuff, the the Duke Nukem stuff has a purpose. It's just that again, when you're blasting people out of the stratosphere with le- yeah. and all that sort of and stuff. Then, and then all you're doing is you're like introducing a second step. You're like, I'm gonna kill you, but first I'm gonna take this bureaucratic but motion. Shrink ray is hard because there aren't shrink rays in a lot of games. That's true. So to me, it's hard to 
So you're like, there's a novelty factor here? Kind of. I get that. Like, I kind of like, like, it's, it's looking back on Duke Nukem before, you know, the 90s, before we've all, you know, gotten better. Mm-hmm. Not the Duke Nukem that came out recently. It yeah. was like a thing where it was like, you got the shrink gun? Oh my God, use it. Oh, you can step over it. Like, it was like this feeling of like... This is fun and silly and different. stupid, but like, yeah, but like, who gives a shit? I get So you. like, Shrink Ray is like a three or a four. Okay. Three or four Duke Nukem games. It's way less stupid than the Leaf Shield. Yeah. Most, <laughs> most things are. Shrink rays were big in the 90s. Honey, Honey I, I Shrunk, shrunk the, the Audience kids. and I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. That movie traumatized me. Fun fact, I was afraid to walk on the grass forever. And For my, what reason? When I was like five years old, we saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I was like, they go in the backyard and they get lost. You were worried about stepping on humans or stepping on an ant or the bee? I don't know. You were just were my scared parents, of killing so things. my parents were like, he's scared of, <laughs> of squashing the kids and we have to carry him around the grass because he cries. But looking back, I'm like, it seems much more likely. I saw that giant ant and was like, it's going to attack me. When the sprinkler went up in your backyard, did you start screaming, no! <laughs> well, yeah, but that's only because I'm, env- I'm an environmentalist who knows that water <laughs> conservation is an important thing. Exactly. Uh, no, yeah, Shrink Ray is three or four. All right. Number seven, Mr. Toots from Red Faction, which, if you're unfamiliar, is a unicorn that shoots lasers out of its butt. Wait, what is- game is this? Red Faction. <laughs> and uh, this is on a scale of one to ten of people who say literally when they mean figuratively. This is a ten. This is a ten. <laughs> This is bad, right? This is bad. A unicorn this is, that this is bad. lasers. Shrink ray to this is it's this is just stupid. Yeah. Like, I don't care. It's ten. That's stupid. Yeah, there's no there's no redeeming. Like quality. I don't know what the game's about anymore. Yeah. There, I don't gets, know anymore. It gets to a point where the game becomes purely spectacle, and mm-hmm. we'll get to that in the next one. Number eight, the penetrator from Saints Row the Third, which if you're unfamiliar, is a, a giant, giant dildo. purple dildo yeah, that you swing like dildo. a baseball bat. Um, On a has scale of- its purpose. <laughs> yeah yeah i think we can all agree <laughs> that a dildo has its purpose that game that game is so fucking much i don't know how to describe it uh i don't know how to like it's just we didn't finish it it's so it's knockoff like, gta like i smoked weed and we played that game and i was like did i take mushrooms yeah <laughs> like like what happens like what is this fucking insane game yeah i wasn't a and fan. then jesse was like let me explain it to you they're all in gangs and the gangs own these territories and they're in skyscrapers i'm like you're making it worse Keith, <laughs> the fact that you think i could have explained that game i was also playing was, it for the first time i thought you said you've played this and we were like at a friend's maybe house maybe once we like basically made my character the most sexualized mm-hmm. thing i've ever seen in my life yeah it was a it looked like it looked like duke nukem but as a dominatrix by the time we found the penetrator it felt like a step down yeah we were like <laughs> it felt like we were getting closer to, to, to like normalcy <laughs> when we found it we we're like at least there's something to tether us to reality oh. sex toys exist in the actual world i mean that's a one on a scale of one to ten kanye press conferences oh, giving this a one no i mean that just should, it shouldn't be a weapon. <laughs> and not even from the terms of, it's too gross, it's too no, this. I'm like, it has it just, another purpose. It's, <laughs> it shouldn't be a weapon in the game. It's too, just shoot the people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I'm like, just I'm like, gonna... don't sexually assault anyone, just shoot them. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's all. That's a weird, the more you know to, to throw in the middle of this episode. Like, I think, because it's like, it's funny in Grand Theft Auto, because like, you can have sex with prostitutes. People are like, ew, weird. And I'm like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> like is, the person with the dildo guns weirder to me than this. Perhaps the way we treat prostitution in America is strange, but perhaps the fact that we think it's super funny to take a, a two foot long giant purple dildo <laughs> and shove it up people's asses. Is that whatever. what you do in the I game? I forget. You use I it think, as a weapon. I think you just use it as a bat. Do you? I think so. I forget. Okay, whatever it is. You're <laughs> whacking people with dicks. Yeah. Get out of here. All right. Number nine The Concrete Donkey from Worms Armageddon. On a scale of one to ten Elon Musks, how dumb is this? The stone donkey? The concrete donkey just falls, does its hee-haw, and just crushes half the screen. <laughs> it just obliterates half the screen. Then that's a great weapon, right? It is and it isn't, because it, it largely, it takes out everything. But Worms Armageddon is everything stupid. Yes. Is and this, this one, the dumbest one? I always have a problem with Worms Armageddon uh, names of, of weapons, because I'm like... 
is this a movie reference or a disgusting yeah. sex act? Holy hand grenade. The weirdest one to me that always just sticks in my head is the grandma bomb. Yes. You just put a grandma directly towards somebody. Yeah, and, and she marches walks, with her and walker explodes. and explodes. Yeah. I mean, Keith, I'm not going to fight you on the fact that that's an amazing weapon. This one is... This is weird. It's weird, this right? Six. This is a six Elon Musk dumb. I like it. Elon Musk, very dumb. He's very dumb. Very dumb. We don't talk about it enough. Elon Musk doesn't really make anything. He just gets paid by the government to make smart people make things. And you can say it about any billionaire. Yeah. Uh, next one. Number 10, last one. Slaps from Goldeneye. On a scale of one to 10 of these games that I make, how dumb is Slaps from Goldeneye? Slaps is a fucking 10. Yeah, right? Slaps. Who? <laughs> Come on, man. Remote proximity bombs if you want to be weird. Like, if you want to, like, play that way. Yeah. Who did you... Slaps like, is weird. We would play Just Knives, Just Bombs. You would do Just Knives? Oh, yeah. i play all of the Just. I would do RPGs, rocket launchers, yes. um, AKs or so. AK, Golden gun only. Golden gun only. Um, that game figured out that people just want variation, and it's the easiest thing. That was a masterful stroke by that, the, that design team. That game, goddamn. Yeah. That, man, how many places I played that game, how many yep. people, like, I didn't even really know we'd all just sit around and play Goldeneye because it was yeah. such, like, a thing that everybody did. So interesting. N64 was the party console i think it was the pinnacle of gaming yeah i think of console gaming i think n64 was the thing i think playstation for this generation was very impressive yeah but i think culturally n64 changed a lot of shit to me the n64 is the michael jordan of the fucking video game world of yeah. just like Here's all these massive, massive games. Here's all these massive, massive games that were tens, but we don't ever talk about them. And they right. just stick in the back of our heads. Like Conker's Bad Fur Day has like a 10. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, it's like yeah. gold, like N64 was a phenomenal system and family friendly, and lots of people played it. And I just know everybody was doing it. Yeah. Everybody had an N64. I think that uh, you, if you if you had the PS1, you really liked gaming by yourself. And if you yeah. had the N64, you really liked gaming with other people. Halo wouldn't exist without the N64. That's fair. Like, you wouldn't have couch co-ops yeah. and all this sort of shit. It wouldn't have taken off. That's very Microsoft fair. wouldn't have been inclined yeah, to do to get it. get into the game. And then they were like, wait, we can just buy James Bond and make it a video game and we'll make billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Like, that's when it started to become a thing. Yeah. And then started, like, Xbox and PlayStation. PlayStation obviously took it away because they went down the violent fucking t track territory. Yeah. They started going away from family sort of stuff. But yeah, I think N64. That starts the, the whole snowball. It really does. This has been How Much Dumb Is This Weapon? Keith, you did great. Also, was it the first one with the analog controller? Uh, I think it might have been, yeah. Yeah, I think it might have been. Where like, you actually are using it with like the graphics, where it's like, first person and that sort of thing. Because I know, obviously, with like arcade machines, they have that... like. The um the the railgun system yeah but like whatever the knob is that kind of looks oh, like yeah, an analog the joystick. The joystick controller yeah um, no I think I think the N sixty four controller was the first like because you know you have like Pong which is that joystick and that's yeah. the last time because like think Sega of, you think it's of all cabinets. directional yes. and Nintendo's directional it's all buttons and, and directional like until you get to N sixty four and they're like we'll put this uh, this analog joystick in here and yeah it's a fucking because then you get uh playstation's like all right well we got to put two of those in ours as well yeah, it was like pc gaming of like you were now floating yeah on the screen instead of just like forward stop left stop yeah. right stop it's a game changer yeah it's huge i never thought about that but yeah n64 changes that for consoles forever too fluid motion all of that shit taking yeah. mario's face and messing with it oh my god just the the ability you have in mario 64 to do fucking anything like the amount of platforming that you can accomplish in that game is bonkers you look at that game now and you're like this is for toddlers like this is for yeah. a three-year-old or whatever and you're not like this is the most complex fucking game with all these different levels and yeah, things man. you got to do it was insane so it, crazy. Out, it was fucking insane keith I want to talk about the thing that you had mentioned earlier in the episode because we haven't talked about this in a game for a little while, but this, but Shovel Knight does it amazingly. We got to talk about this game's music. Okay. This game does, one of the best things it does is the Mega Man thing where every villain, every level gets their own theme and it matches the, uh, the aesthetic of what's going on visually and like the tone it strikes is amazing. And it also does this thing. I've, I've been getting a lot into like, 
back into music theory and gaming because mm-hmm. there's a lot that people do in video games that's fucking cool, that's incredible. And there's chord progressions in like in in, in all your f- it's it's funny to explain this to people because like my my music theory knowledge at this point is pretty limited compared to what like the information I used to have in my head. But I still remember enough to be like when I hear something that I really like I'm like, okay, I know that this is a common thing. I know what this is. And I know that, like, when any band uses it, I'm a fucking sucker for it. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's shit like that in all sorts of music. And when a song is just okay, it lacks that thing that any person likes. For me, that thing is something called tonicization or a secondary dominant, which is just, like, the example I always use is the chorus from Stacy's Mom. Mm-hmm. But, like, shit like that is hidden all over this soundtrack. The game has all these very subtle uses of chord progressions and, like, accidentals in chord progressions, just notes that shouldn't be there that then all of a sudden fit in, and you're like, oh, that makes it so much more interesting mm-hmm. and recontextualizes everything around it. And uh, what I'm playing right now underneath is, I believe it's called Shield Knight's theme, and it's what plays every time Shovel Knight falls asleep and has a dream that Shield Knight is falling and he has to save her. And it's this very, uh, this very melancholic feel, this very, like, bitter, I should have done more, I wasn't there, and then just wakes up from it. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to the descending melody and how it speeds up, there's all of this, like, small motif stuff that goes into writing something like this, where it just creates this sense of momentum, but... It doesn't resolve the way you think. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't feel like it lands anywhere. And that's one of those things that like really great video game music does to me is it creates the emotion of like we are not going to be at rest at any point. We're never going to come to the tonic in a way that feels like, yeah, we're here. That's the end of the phrase. Mm-hmm. Just like, no, this is ongoing. This is the adventure. This is why this is fun. It's because like we built the music to push you forward and yeah. feel a certain way. And this game does a really great job of accomplishing that. Do you think, um, what do you think happens? How do you get a composer to do these games? Does somebody have to be somebody already into it, right? And yeah. just somebody who's like been doing this shit for a while. Like, how do you find these people? I don't know. Cause like the Stardew guy did all of his own music. All of the music from, um, from Hollow Knight was one guy. All of the music from Celeste was one woman. Uh, I imagine all the music from Shovel Knight was one person too. Because, like, with these indie games, it's all you can afford to pay. Right. I actually think that's the best thing. I, th- I think that we, too often in video games and in art in general, start to have this committee approach, and it ruins things. And when you get these small batch works, you get somebody with a clear vision of what they want it to be. The composer for I Am Setsuna just wrote all of the stuff on one piano, and it's like, there's some amazing shit in there. Mm-hmm. Because it's just one person with one vision and nobody clouding it. And when you let somebody take risks like that and uh, an approach from their specific point of view, you get something unique. It's what made all the music from Celeste so good was that the woman who wrote it all was writing from her specific experience with anxiety. And she was like, this is what it feels like to me. I'm going to put that into the music. And if you do that on a large scale, you get this kind of watered down, like, nah, we need to be less weird. We need to be more universal. You get the wide tent party bullshit that happens in a lot of media where people are just like, we want everybody to be able to access it a little bit instead of some people to be able to fully, uh, like, imprint on this piece of work. You'd be better than any of that. What's that? You know, it'd be better than any of that. What? Just electric guitar, <laughs> drum. <laughs> Tempo, super fast. Do you think somebody in the room at uh, at like Guitar Hero was like, who are we going to get to compose music for this game? People were like, shut the fuck up, There's dude. There's some first-person game called, I think, like Death Floor. If whoever knows first-person games oh. knows what I'm fucking oh, talking about. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, too. And I Killing Floor? Kill, killing Floor. Yeah. And I, uh, I Death got, Floor. <laughs> just, say, whatever. It just sounds like a pit. It sounds like Deathbed is an actual movie, just yeah. whatever. So, um... I played this game, and I played it with Mike, and it's like what turn... I've never been so turned off Yeah, from something the moment metal starts playing. Because I listen to metal all the time, but the moment you're like, here's, an, here's a machine gun, demons are going to come out, we're going to blast metal, and yeah. it's not Doom, I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I get weirded out by it. It doesn't fit. It doesn't... It makes me just feel like gross. Yeah. 
there's a stereotype of of some music genres that's just like you have to you have to know when to use it you have to earn using it and if you're like keith that's really unfair i was wearing black lipstick when i was done playing and i didn't put it on me i don't know what happened (laughs) it's like the metal song at the end of control yeah feels earned right but if you put that at the beginning, I'd be like, what the fuck is the vibe it's of this It's the game? whole level is just you mowing these things down with metal music playing mm-hmm. nonstop. And metal music eventually hits a point in my head where it just sounds like noise. Yes. And I love metal. And I'm just like, I can't. It's too much. I can't do it because not realizing when you play games, like the music sets the tone for everything. Yeah. And if I'm like, man, this 10 minutes feels like 30 minutes because you've just been blasting metal music and I've just been mowing things. Like... It just feels here's, weird. Here's something that I, I hadn't thought of until now, that a lot of music and video games, I think, fails because it doesn't match the movement of the game. It matches the what the selling point is, boys or whatever, right. who we advertising to. And one of the reasons that Persona 5's soundtrack is so good yeah. is the art design of the game is so angular and so, like, not stiff, it's, it's sharp. Right. The game is, like, kind of these, like, like everything strikes a pose in the game, every right. single thing. And the music hits those hard downbeats every time. Like it feels like at any point the characters could be dancing to that music right. as they're fighting. That's right. what the combat looks like. That's what the movement looks like. Right. Everything serves a greater purpose. And when you just stick some shitty music, some like metal music into a game that you're like, we want it to be aggressive. It's like, does it feel like the character would be listening to that as they're doing it? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like the, I don't know. That's always going to be the thing. It's just like this is going to play into who's listening to this, who's playing this, and yeah. when they come back and that sort of thing. But I think you should like, you know, in control, she puts on the headset and that's how the music starts. And I think that there's something to be said for that. Like, if you want to pump up moments, would your characters, if that music started playing in that moment, mm-hmm. take like take the actual character and would it work? There's a There's a scene in The Last Dance where they're like, all right, we got pissed at them for talking trash, and we came out, and they started playing Move Aside, Let the Men Come Through. Right. And I was like, 10 out of 10, they walked down the hall to that. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, they were like, yeah, put that shit on. Right. And so the music works. But if you were just like, put on Down with the Sickness, they'd be like, the fuck is this? I remember I was watching one, and I'm like, they're going to play it. Yeah. They're going to play it, and I'm like, it happened. Dun, 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 dun. Hey! Dun, dun, yep. dun, dun, dun. I was like, there it is. Yep. Just like, it's always, <laughs> always. Got to be in every fucking sports stuff. And he, listen, if you're if you make a video game and you're playing as like British gangsters in a pub, a pub Dude, fight breaks I, out. What, what are you it. playing? Right, uh, what's whatever it's called? Da, 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 I forget what it's da, called. Peaky Blinders. No, but whatever the actual oh, Chelsea Dagger. Chelsea Dagger. Yeah, yeah. it's. God, the most dramatic, well-acted scene, and then that song pops on, and I'm like, ruins! 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 It's like if I watch two just un... just two poor, struggling, dramatic men in Georgia on a trailer trying to figure out their lives, and they're like, my daughter's gonna die, and it's like, we gotta figure something out. And it's like, you really slapped my ass with like yeah. stains or something. Buck You're just cherry. like, what? Uh, always remember that in the aughts, everybody on the radio was like, we're going to play this Buck Cherry song called Crazy Bitch. You know who was like so upfront with their music and it worked every single time, but then just became so formulaic and funny that it felt like nothing was Friday Night Lights. Oh, I never watched it. They have like this band called Explosions in the Sky and they're an ambient band. Yeah. So they have, they pick the best music to represent what it's like to be like a kid and hope and like fight for the yeah. like you feel it or whatever and then they just kept doing that over and over and it's over. too much <laughs> it's too fucking much you can't be doing that shit but it just becomes formulaic and in games like shovel knight where it's like oh it feels special yeah and different and not just like let's go through the motions or whatever because obviously people you think shovel knight's going to be like fairy tale music or some shit like that no it's always pressing forward mm-hmm. it's the the composers for these games do a really good job like these are deeply knowledgeable musicians who are i was i was watching uh something about the the composition for the main theme from breath of the wild and breath of the wild is a game that i've harped on before as having not a ton of music the composition in, it. in breath of the wild but when you actually listen to like 
if they had let that full thing play, I it's got, like, fucking pissed. amazing. I would get upset when it stopped playing. Yeah. Because it play for 15 seconds and then go away. Yeah. I was like, can I just listen to music the whole time while I'm, you know, hunting things yeah. or going around? But the full score is beautiful and complex. And, like, again, it's it's weird to look at music theory and look at the emotion behind it. Because when you think of music, you're like, this is, like, an emotional thing, a piece of art. Ocarina of Time it. is just based on music. Yeah. You learn yeah. these songs, you go around, you hear the same songs and that sort of stuff. And you made a game where you took the music away. Away. Away? Away. Crazy. I know. But like, in terms of looking at the theory behind it, it's just interesting that there are so many composers who are like, I know how to make this moment feel bleak and empty. It's crazy thinking about the orchestra that does all like the Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. I, don't know the, I don't know the composer's name um, that does like all of them. Basically, but I was just thinking how funny of a concept that is because that just doesn't happen in America, at least regularly. Mm-hmm. No one's going to walk over to a symphony to be like, "Hey, we did, we got this Wolfenstein game." Yeah, want you like when you like, want to jump in and score this for us? But you listen to Final Fantasy VII, you listen to Final Fantasy VIII, you listen to all the Final Fantasy games, you'd be like, "Oh, this score is amazing! Like this is an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. The music is phenomenal, and all these sorts of things." Yeah, and American games are less inclined to do that unless they're very much aware that we're making like an art piece yeah like the music in god of war is phenomenal and things like that and they just get like pulled in the fucking jason derulo song in red dead is surprisingly great it catches you so off guard you're like what is this yeah they nailed it they nailed it keith i didn't do a final five for you Uh instead i went back to last week's best and worst because i had so much fun with it. oh best and worst are great that was a great show that existed for 10 years right was that the best or best week ever best week ever that's how pat became popular a lot of of comedians able to save their lives from vh1 for 10 years oh yeah (laughs) like remember the 80s or whatever that well there was remember the 70s remember the 60s like just talking heads yeah CNN tried it with all of their decades docs. <laughs> let's let's bring Larry King back. Oh man! All right, best and worst. Number one, lead singer. So not just singer, lead singer. Yeah. So it's got to be of a band. I mean, like, listen, it's Freddie Mercury. Like, it's Freddie Mercury. Yeah. But it's like I don't. I still have to do the due diligence of yeah. like going through to my go head through because I'm like Freddie Mercury in my head. I'm like, okay, who else can he? Who can? Who can hold a flame? Who can? And I'm like, no, but that's why I asked if he's in a band, because Prince is just fucking Prince. And like just you start to go down. I would give Prince. But I'm saying like you start to go down this path of like lead singer that I'm yeah. like, oh, I'd want it needs to be part of like a group. So yeah. I'm saying Freddie Mercury, the worst singer, lead singer, Tom yeah. DeLong. Yeah. He's the worst singer. Yeah. He is not. He would agree with you. He's not, I don't know how to describe it. He uh he's not. He's not a terrible singer. He's aware he's a bad singer. I think he thinks he's it a bad singer. It always feels like somebody is twisting his wrist and he's yeah. in pain. And he's like, hold on, I have to do this song. It's uh, He made every single 2000 pop punk band have nasally voice. Yeah. Every single band through Drive Through Records had like a nasally sort of. Even, ta- even Taking Back Sunday has oh, a yeah. nasally, that emo pop punk. He uh, created Jordan. That. Pudnik from Newfound Glory, all nasal. Yep. Like, it's weird when it you think about weird. it. <laughs> it's super weird. And that dude's the reason why. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> all right, number two, best and worst, pizza topping. So it's like one. Yeah. Just, so just one. It's, t- so it's pep. Pepperoni's the best? Pepperoni's the best. Yep. Um, I would just say pineapple, but people put pineapple and bacon together, so yeah. it's like unfair just to say pineapple. I get you. So what's the one thing that just ruins it? Can I can I tell you what? This might be an unpopular one hmm. and weird coming from me. Hmm. Garlic. Garlic as a topping because every J- place who puts just garlic on top. A lot of places. Really? And and what I and what they do is they take that big can of minced garlic. Oh no. Yeah. No. Right? It's too much. It it's like garbage. You need little bits of garlic to taste that spice, but if it's too much, it just turns into it tastes like nothing yeah, almost. Yeah, exactly. It just like it's mush. Yeah, it feels like you're drinking or eating gasoline. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, I like them in lots of things. Mushrooms. Yeah. If it was just pe- if it was just mushrooms on your pizza, mm-hmm. I'd be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Interesting. Because I'm like, it doesn't. 
like Ita- like mushrooms grow great with Italian food, but if it's not cooked and they're just thrown on top or whatever, oh yeah, then I'm just like, what is? You need to like sear them and then put them on the pizza. Yeah, you have to do something with them for me to be like, this is great. But because when just they just like unseasoned bullshit, shucked on top yeah. of your pizza, I'm like, this is fucking weird. No. Number three, best and worst kind of pancake. Okay, this is where you start wars. Blueberry pancakes are pretty dope. Yeah. I eat those regularly. Then the worst, it's like chocolate or blueberries, like what's fighting in my brain. Okay. And what's worse, what's the worst pancake? How can you ruin pancakes? Oh, you can ruin pancakes. And it's not, I want to say banana out of the gate, because for some reason it just doesn't, I like bananas on my pancakes, mm-hmm. but banana pancakes are never, like, my thing. I'll tell you the one that irked me. Do it. Apple? Because mm, yeah, they, that don't, doesn't, no. they don't cook down enough. They're crunchy No, that in your doesn't pancake. work at all. I was just yeah. thinking in my head. I was like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it does not work. Unless they're, like, super small, but at that point they become crispy. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't. What is it, Keith? Best and worst? Uh... Cardamom pancakes. Cardamom pancakes suck. I'll take Minty it. Minty pancakes. <laughs> Number four, decade. Best and worst decade. Oh, fuck. Um, well, if you're not white, there isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> There's no good decade. There's no real good decade, to be <laughs> honest. The 70s. Okay. 70s, to me, were so destructive. Yeah. <laughs> so transformative. <laughs> So crazy. Just so different and like, we're going to blow shit up. Also to me, just like the most fucking cool. Yeah. Just like the most like, the fact that hippies exist, the fact that... We've got protests everywhere. There's anti-culture, yeah. like that sort of thing. Uh, people are more, you know... They're against things now. Like, people are coming back from Vietnam and chucking their medals into the White House lawn. Yeah. That's how much they fucking hit. That's like, the fucking military took a huge dive. But also, crime was insane. Yeah, because and nobody was, was taking care of people. Nobody was taking care of anything. There's serial killers fucking everywhere. Some Manson and all that stuff yeah. was going on. And it's just like, it. everybody dressed really cool. Like, it was just this thing of, like, no one kind of gave a fuck or yeah. people gave a fuck at Things the were time. changing so rapidly that everybody was like, no rules, fuck it. Like, Black Panthers were coming around. Like, it, it was, was like... sixties, 60s, I think. Was it, was it not in the 70s when they were coming out, like, more? Because Reagan was starting to freak out and shit. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Like, just... It was in terms of, like, everyone's cool. No, it seems cool. Sense, yeah. And then the 80s happened. And I'm like, what the fuck... What happened? Disco died. Yeah. Disco was popular for two years. Yep. For two, dis, disco doesn't go away. It was popular for only two years. Yeah. And everyone did all the drugs. Everyone's doing cocaine. Jimmy Carter's doing like the finger yeah. dance. The finger thing. dance. Like it's just what a weird time. Because I don't want to say the sixties. No. Fuck the sixties. Yeah. Like the sixties was for, nothing but turmoil. Yeah. For sixties, as a white person, you're like, oh yay, the neighborhoods. We all went to the suburbs. All that bullshit. Yeah. Like now, the seventies seemed cool. The eighties was fucking weird. I would say that the sixties were was uh, the entire nation going shit ain't working, and the seventies was an entire nation going told you so, and the eighties was an entire nation going fuck you, get back to where we put you. The seventies were the best. 20s the worst <laughs> that's fair because 20s is like now where it had tons of people who were vastly wealthy yeah and the rockefellers and all that sort of shit were happening and people were just like bigger than god basically yeah. with money and then everyone lost their money everyone went homeless mm-hmm. we went to world war ii and like they all just kind of forgot that these billionaires kind of killed and destroyed killed everybody. everybody killed everybody and destroyed all this we shit. won't forget this time number five best and worst superheroes the best one. My favorite is Nightcrawler. Yeah, Nightcrawler is so cool. Nightcrawler's dope. I really like him. It's uh but like powers wise, Superman. Yeah. Right? Doesn't is it everybody so he, he, Superman's like, so boring. He's so boring, but I'm like, that's when powers wise. Pa- yeah. Like you can do anything, no one can kill you, you can fly, you're fast, it's, like all this sort of shit. It's funny because the problem with the superhero or with the Superman movies is that he's so capable. Yeah. 
And all we ever see him do is hit things. He's it's very rare he does anything. He doesn't do any he just punches. Yeah. He's and more of like, a like let's stare at him, he's Superman sort yeah, of thing. It's, so like Nightcrawler is like my favorite, so probably Nightcrawler. Um and then worst superhero. If you don't see if you don't say Jubilee, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Jubilee because of the fireworks, but yeah. also she's super helpful on the fourth. She's uh, super helpful. I don't like Cyclops. There you go. I've never liked. He's a narc. I, I don't. He's is a that what narc. it is? Is he the such a is he the narc. Superman of X Men? Yeah, he's just like those aren't the rules. Fuck you. I just like it's just not even because I liked Wolverine so much. I was like, God, just ever since I was little, I don't. Yeah, I just never liked Cyclops. It's so funny to be like Cyclops and Jean Grey are together, and then X and then uh, Wolverine shows up, and and everybody in the audience goes, "Girl, go get that strange." <laughs> Everyone's like that. Everyone. Everyone's like, bail on your fucking trust fund husband or whatever. (laughs) All right, let's do two more. Best and worst, euphemism for sex. Uh, The best uh, is... No, here's that. What were you going to say? This could be the best or the worst. Okay. Okay, this is just, this is both. Crushing spirits. Now you can take that as I am fucking um, so hard that I am crushing the spirits in between me and the person <laughs> I'm having sex with. Or I'm so good at sex that I've ruined you for anyone else having sex okay. with you. Or I'm so bad at sex that I'm ruining your spirit. Yeah, I like that. And the last one, number 10, best and worst reason for leaving a party early. Oh, I got a shit so bad. <laughs> it's the best and the worst, right? Yeah. Is that not... No, that fits. What do you do, people? People, what do you do? Do you turn into an Aristotle? What do you do? Do you turn in? <laughs> if you have to shit really badly, do you go, just do it and blame it on someone? Like, what do you do? I think at some point, you just need to shit, walk out of the bathroom and like, oh my God, what did you do? And you, you were like, I shat. I did that thing that we all do all the time. Don't shame me for Not having a basic shaming problem. shaming for shitting. I'm talking like bad. I'm talking like... You're like, oh, I need to not be around I people. stand by <laughs> my statements. And you come out of the bathroom, ugh, that egg sandwich. As I was saying, I got a lot going when, on if for somebody, me. <laughs> if you ever leave a bathroom and somebody's like, what'd you do? Like, you think this is a fucking choice? I was like, when I go in the bathroom, people come out, I'm like, oh, was I supposed to do coke? Was that, like, was yeah. everybody staring oh, at me? Was like, that, I was supposed to do Was blow? that what the party was for? <laughs> was You can do cocaine anywhere. Nobody here is a cop. Just fucking do coke. <laughs> And even if they were a cop, they'd be like, can I join? Yeah, <laughs> They'd be like, I sold that to you. <laughs> this has been best or worst. Keith, you nailed it. Uh, you nailed do it. anything else to say about Cuphead? <laughs> uh, it's a fucking great game. Yes, I think is. everybody should check it out, especially if you like platforming. There's so much small hidden humor and small hidden side stuff to it. It's it's bigger than you think, and it's, uh, it's one of my favorite indie games of the last decade. How much is on? PlayStation? It's got to be like 15 bucks or yeah, something. It's not expensive. It's not expensive. No, it's so. been out for a little while. It's four games in one at this point, so I say check it out. Do it. Uh, other than that, remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at New Player Pod and raise and review us five stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, what's the date today? Oh, first Friday of every month. Actually, no, it's not this Friday. It's the next Friday. So next Friday, we'll be doing another fundraiser with Sister District to help elect progressive candidates uh, to local legislature in North Carolina. Check that out. Last time we raised thirteen hundred dollars. Thirteen hundred so guys. You get to play video games with us. You get to talk with us and a bunch of cool people. It's super fun. We'll fill you in on that uh, as we get closer. Otherwise, shall we get out of here? Let's do it. Keith, Jesse, this is New Players Joined. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, landscaping Lord. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about shovel now.